Recently, I've noticed that there's some headlines that have been made as President Biden makes uh, a push for an aggressive timeline of pulling U.S. troops out of Afghanistan. And he came under a little bit of criticism, a, lo- a little bit of heat uh, for that aggressive move and, and that aggressive timeline that he has. And so he was defending his actions and, and why he was doing it. But one thing that he really didn't do, people have pointed out, is that he really never made a declaration of victory or even mission accomplished in Afghanistan. And, and some people would argue that really even the, the number one purpose for which we first sent troops over to Afghanistan, even that purpose hasn't yet been accomplished. Others are concerned that the Afghan government is going to just crumble under the advancing pressure of Taliban forces, forces that have already taken control of some parts of the country and they continue to advance in others. And so there's many, many concerns. And I, I know this is a, like a deeply political issue, and, and that's not why I bring it up. I'm, I'm not asking you to focus on the, the politics of it. But rather, I want you to use it and to think about that situation and that scenario and, and think about your faith. Think about the faith that we confess with the words of the Apostles' Creed. Do you ever feel like God has maybe pulled back, pulled out from this world and from your life? Do you ever feel like he's pulled away those those reinforcements that were there standing behind you to, to strengthen you in your battles? Do you feel like you might crumble and crack under the advancing onslaught of Satan's temptations as your enemy comes against you? Do you ever wonder if Christ really achieved victory? If he really accomplished his mission? Today, the two phrases that we get to in the Apostles' Creed, they assure you that Jesus accomplished his mission. They assure you that he won victory. When we confess Jesus descended into hell, Jesus rose again. We speak those words of the creed and we say that Jesus descended into hell. The creed reminds us that hell is indeed real. And so we might think that Jesus descended into hell in order to suffer. Because when the Bible describes hell, it describes it as a place of intense suffering. And it really goes above and beyond physical suffering because at its core, hell is a place and and an experience, really, that is completely separated from God and His goodness. It's a horrifying experience to think about. 
An experience in which you have been completely and totally severed from God and His goodness. And it's an experience that really Jesus has already suffered for us. Can you imagine that experience? Right now, we still enjoy a taste of God's goodness and God's blessing. In fact, we don't even just get a taste of it, but we enjoy deep helpings, large portions of God's goodness and His blessing. And even if we reject God, and even if we say that we don't want any of His blessings, even if we run far away from Him, still, we would enjoy blessings from God. That's how gracious our God is. He, he causes the sun to shine on both the wicked and the righteous. We live in a world that still feels God's goodness. But if we do continue to reject that, we continue to deny that we want any of that, and that we don't want God in our life, and we reject and turn away from his calls to repent, and someday we will find ourselves in a place, in an experience in which God is absent. Completely and totally absent, God and his goodness. In fact, some have described that, that hell is when people who've rejected God and say that they don't want God a part of their life finally get what they've asked for. A life without God. And it's horrifying to think of that experience, but the creed helps us to understand that Jesus already suffered that. That suffering was not why Jesus descended into hell. He did suffer that hell that we had deserved for our rebellion and our rejection of God. He suffered it on the cross when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because at that moment, Jesus was abandoned. Forsaken by God, his heavenly Father. At that moment, Jesus soul felt and knew an existence void of God and his goodness. Total and absolute suffering. But on that very same cross, Jesus also said, it is finished. Finished was his sacrifice of suffering for us so that we would never have to suffer that. Complete and over and so Nicodemus and Joseph, as we heard about in Matthew, they came, they took Jesus' body down from the cross, they, they laid it in a tomb. He was dead and he was buried. And the creed tells us that Jesus' descent into hell came after that. After his suffering. You see, Jesus' descent into hell was not about suffering. It was about victory. This is going to get a little bit heavy, a little bit deep here. It's going to be a leg day for our faith right now as we go into the next things. But just track along with me because it's really important to understand this. There's two big theological terms that we use for Jesus' state of existence as both God and man. 
And so we talk about, first of all, we talk about Jesus' state of humiliation. And what we mean by that is the time when Jesus no longer made the full or frequent use of the divine power that he had as both God and man. That's what we've been talking about so far in the creed. Jesus always had that divine power at his disposal, but he chose not to use it. And so we've talked about how Jesus was conceived in human flesh. He was born into our world, that he placed himself under the law, that he suffered under Pontius Pilate, that he was crucified, that he died and he was buried. All of those actions took humility on the part of Jesus. He needed to humble himself. Because could Jesus have avoided the cross? Easily. Did he? No. He humbled himself. Jesus' state of humiliation. But the other state that we talk about is Jesus' state of exaltation. And that is that time when Jesus resumed the full and complete use of his divine power. And Jesus' descent into hell is the first part of that exaltation. Now, if you're, if you're a Christian, you, you believe in Jesus, follow Jesus, go to, go to church, then, then you know, right, we celebrate Easter, Jesus' resurrection on Sunday, three days after he died on Friday. And so that's when we celebrate his resurrection from the dead. But Jesus was already alive before Sunday morning. He just made it known. He made his appearances to his disciples and his followers. And, and he declared that victory. But before that, he descended into hell. And Peter tells us that he descended into hell in order to preach to the spirits in that prison. He delivered a powerful sermon. But it wasn't a sermon to convince them to change their minds. It was a declaration and a proclamation of his victory. His descent into hell began the parade in which he shouted out his victory over Satan, over sin, over death, over hell itself, that Jesus had won the victory. And so in his descent into hell and in his resurrection appearances, the message was the very same. Jesus won. Victory was his. But the effect that that message has on audiences can be very different. For some, for those who reject Jesus, who reject what Jesus has done for him, it's a message that brings despair. It's a message that steals away all hope. But for you, and for me, and for all who trust in Jesus, all who, who follow Jesus, this is a message that lifts us up out of despair and gives us incredible hope for every single day of our lives.
And the clarity that the creed provides is that Christ has already won the victory. The war is over. Mission accomplished. And so it really helps us, as we've been talking throughout this series, that the creed helps us to rebel against different narratives that are out there in our world. And so today, the creed helps us to rebel against dualism. Over the last decade, there's been a very well-documented rise of the nuns. Not N-U-N-S, N-O. N-E-S, nuns. The, the people who claim no religious affiliation whatsoever. And that number has continued to be growing over the last several decades. But just because they, they claim no religious affiliation doesn't mean that they are not spiritual. In fact, there's a large group of people in that category who would say, I am spiritual but not religious. And maybe you know someone like that. Maybe you are someone like that. And in that landscape, then, to be spiritual but not religious, it can mean a whole lot of things. And you can probably think about some of the things that that might mean and some of the ways that people practice it. But, but dualism is a thought and a philosophy, an idea that's out there that easily falls into that landscape of spirituality. Dualism is the idea that there are two different competing powers and forces out there in the spiritual realms. And so there are spirits and powers out there that are good and beautiful, and there are spirits and powers out there that are ugly and bad and evil. And those two forces, they are, they are waging war, constant battle between the two, and the outcome is unknown. And this makes its way into our entertainment in all kinds of ways. And you can think about some of those ways. I'm going to talk about one here in a second. One that, I don't know, maybe I'm not even qualified to talk about it because when it comes to these kinds of TV shows and movies, I am a total wuss and I run out of the room. I don't watch them. Shows that have to do with the paranormal, you know, demons, possession, exorcism, Maybe some of you like those and you watch them. I don't. But when you watch those shows, you watch those movies, and what happens is, you know, the, the man of God shows up, right? The, the priest, the reverend, the minister. He, he comes to the house, and, and he brings his little bag of tricks and, and the holy water and the things that he's got in there. And he's going to step into the room and he's going to go toe-to-toe with the demon. He's going to face off against the demon. And he's supposed to have God and his power on his side. And everyone knows that guy is toast. Like, he is not coming out of that room. And if he does, he is not going to be very happy. But that's just not reality. There has been a cosmic battle And the victory has been won. There is no question about the victor. God wins. Jesus has won. In the Bible, it it describes 
the battle of Armageddon. And all of God's enemies, they all come together and they gather in in one valley for one last epic showdown, good versus evil. Satan and all of his demons, all the enemies of God, piled into this one valley, ready for the battle, and Jesus shows up. And Jesus simply says, I am. Boom, mic drop. Game over. Battle is done. Shortest battle in the history of the world. Because Jesus had already won the victory. The war is over. The mission is accomplished. And you can just think that the demons, during Jesus' own lifetime, the demons shuddered when they were in his presence, when they heard his voice. Now imagine when Jesus showed up at the doorstep of hell and declared his victory. Which means that Satan and sin have no power over you. That victory is won. They have no control over you. You do not have to give in to Satan. The Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Titus that the the grace of God has appeared to all men and it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and sin. You do not need to give in to Satan because he is defeated. He is chained. He is caged. Anyone gone to a zoo this summer? Gone to a zoo? My family and I, we, we've been to the Houston Zoo. We might be going this week again. One of the things that I really enjoyed, one of the exhibits that I really enjoyed at the Houston Zoo was the lion exhibit. I think they have four lions. I think there's three lady lions and one guy lion, right? And when you go to a zoo, one of the cool things about going to a zoo is that you can get face-to-face with an animal that out in the wild would terrify you. And that's the experience that I feel when I, when I go to that zoo, the Houston Zoo, and you, and you can stand there, you can be a foot away from a lion. And if I was a foot away from a lion out in the wild, I would be terrified. Because when you're that close, you can see the muscles in their legs. You can see those massive paws and the power that's in them. You can see the teeth in those jaws that you know could snap down ferociously and just rip you apart. And if it wasn't for that like four-inch thick glass that's between me and that lion, I would be terrified. But I can stand there and not be terrified because that lion cannot get to me. It cannot attack me. The Bible describes Satan as a roaring lion. That he prowls around and he looks for someone to devour. But remember that that lion is caged. And he is chained. And he cannot hurt you. 
You know, he can, he can rage and he can, he can snarl and he can bare his teeth and he can stand there and he can look rabid and he can roar ferociously. And he will because he knows that he has lost and he hates to lose. But there is nothing that he can do to you. Unless you stick your hand into his cage. And if you stick your hand into his cage, if you even stick your fingers into that cage, he will bite. And he will bite hard. And so this is the symmetry that we can gain as we study the creed this morning because some of us, some of us need to stop putting our hand into Satan's cage. Some of us need to, need to stop tiptoeing closer and closer to see just, just how close we can get to that lion. And maybe we need to stop making the excuses and, and saying no one is perfect. Or, or I know that, that God, He can rescue me anyway. He'll forgive me anyway. Or to stop saying, like, it's just a little sin. It's just a little wrong. It's okay. Don't stick your hand into that cage. Don't be naive when that roaring lion, when he lays down in the grass and tries to make himself look nice and soft and cuddly. Or when that lion, he tries to deceive you by telling you to, to follow your emotions. To just follow your desires because, because they're going to lead you to a good place. To follow them even when we know that that's not wise or noble or God-pleasing. Stop that. Because Jesus' declaration of victory has been proclaimed to you as well. After his descent into hell, Jesus then rose again from the dead, right? He appeared to his disciples and the message was the same. I have won. Victory is mine. Victory is yours. We heard it this morning. We heard the angels say, he is not here. He has risen. Victory. We heard Jesus himself say, do not be afraid. Victory, victory everlasting and eternal. God has rescued you. Jesus has pulled you out of the clutches of Satan. He has pulled you out of that cage in which you were Satan's plaything. Don't go back there. Christ has brought you into a new community to live a new life. And if you do stick your hand into Satan's cage and he bites, then run back to Jesus. Run back to his cross where he shed his blood to heal you and to forgive. And lean on that community into which Jesus has brought you. This community that the creed itself talks about and forms in our church family. This community that is there to support and encourage us. A community that's there to pull us back from Satan's cage. And we, we give each other that permission, that permission to one another to love and to care enough 
to pull us back, even to, to rip us back violently if we have wandered too near Satan's domain. Lean on that community that counsels with Jesus' victory, that counsels with his resurrection, that proclaims to you that Satan is defeated. Lean on your spouse or, or a friend. Lean on each other because you are a part of that community. You are not alone. Christ has won. And you are also a part of a community that witnesses to our world the victory of Jesus Christ. Christ came back. Christ has won. Christ is victorious. He did the impossible. And we can tell our world about someone who has done the impossible. We proclaim Christ's resurrection victory. Too many in this world live on the losing side. We proclaim Christ's victory. The victory that the creed declares when we speak and we say that Jesus descended into hell and he rose again. Amen. Amen.